Blog Talk Radio. It's that time again. Time for some real talk about real issues to enhance your real life. Whatever you think, whatever you know, whatever you feel, Tanya doesn't mind talking about it. Get ready for some talk that is always rated to R because talk with Tanya has got to be relevant. Talk with Tanya has got to be refreshing. But most importantly, talk with Tanya has got to be real. Tune in right now for real talk with Tanya White. again to another bonus show of Real Talk with Tanya White. We are having, uh, just in celebration of Women's Month, we are having some bonus shows, 13 to be exact, 13 shows in all, just because we want to touch on every issue that uh, hinders women and that helps them to become the phenomenal women that we were created to be. So this is one of our bonus shows. Uh, Our regular time and date is Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we will be on this Thursday, March 5th, and we're going to be talking about self-esteem, self-appreciation, and uh, sisterhood. And so join us Thursday. But tonight we have some very serious talk on Real Talk. We're talking about sexual abuse, domestic violence, two issues that plague women and hinder them from becoming the women that they were destined to be. Both issues tear and uh, and hurt women so deep that sometimes it's hard for uh, those victims to find their way back. So we're going to be talking about some solutions, some signs, and prevention methods on both issues. On the first part of the show, we're going to talk about domestic violence. Uh, we're going to have uh, two gentlemen talking about that issue, their experience uh, with uh, with loved ones, who were victims of domestic violence, and we're going to have some open dialogue and discussion. If you have a a story to share on that issue, we really want to hear it. We will, uh, you will remain anonymous, um, but call us at 347-215-6446. And then the last part of our show, we're going to talk about sexual abuse, and we're going to have uh, Cheryl and Vaughn and Janice Sullivan talking about that issue. The first part, we're going to have Greg Stallworth and Spike Spielberg, uh, which if you are a a regular listener to Blog Talk, Spike hosts his own show, Spike Spielberg, every Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. So we're going to uh, talk to them, the gentlemen first, in about five minutes. I want to say welcome to everyone who is logging on in the chat. And uh, Curvy Queen, thank you so much for all the promotions, Miss Curvy Queen and Hospitality Diva, um, and all those who are online. Again, if you have any questions, any short stories to share, please give us a call at 347-215-6446. We have a Real Talk testimonial line now, uh, so we have been getting some great feedback and emails about Real Talk with Tanya White. We love them. We are so honored and humbled that you took the time to write us uh, a message of encouragement, of uh, 
um, motivation for us to keep doing what we're doing because each show at Real Talk with Tanya White is uniquely designed with you in mind because we want you to change your no I can't attitude into yes I can action. So we take very uh, much detail in uh, planning and organizing and booking each show uh, because we want you to be influenced, inspired, and ignited to be the best possible you you can be. Uh, we have real talk about real issues to enhance your real life, but we have a testimonial line now, so you can give that a call, and that number is two one five two no two one four six one five six five zero five extension five two four nine. It takes you through and walks you through. You can just leave us a testimony. We want to hear your beautiful voice, and we love uh, encouragement and feedback because it keeps us doing what we're doing here. We want to say hello to all of our Blog Talk friends. We are almost at 1,300. Uh, Last time we checked, we are at 1,296. Keep them coming. We love meeting new people and making new connections. We want to encourage you to also visit TanyaWhite.com. T-A-N-Y-A White is in the color.com. Check us out. Check out some new products and new services, buy relationship reruns, or my book, How to Deal with a Difficult Woman. Sign up for Tanya's Tips. It also gives you a little bit of inspiration every Thursday. It gives you tips for today to transform your tomorrow. Again, visit TanyaWhite.com. Uh, T-A-N-Y-A White is in the color.com. Like I said, tonight's show is going to be uh, some very serious and sensitive issues tonight, and we're going to talk about uh, sexual abuse, domestic violence. Our first segment will be uh, about domestic violence, and tonight I do have a fantastic co-host. He is uh, a Real Talk listener, a loyal listener, and also a Tanya's Tips subscriber. Uh, His name is Greg Stallworth. He hails from Cincinnati, Ohio, and he has also written a fabulous play uh, called Trapped in the Closet Without a Release Date, Trapped in the Closet Without a Release Date. You can visit and find out more about how you can bring his play to your city. You can visit him at emeraldentertainment.net, emerald as in the jewel, entertainment.net. But I'm going to bring him on now, and he's going to introduce himself and tell us who he is in his own words. Hello, Mr. Greg Stallworth, how are you? Well, hello, Tanya. How are you? I am fabulous today. How is everything in Cincinnati, Ohio? Everything is going very well, and especially this evening, being on your show and being able and grateful to co-host with you. Uh, Looking forward to tonight to share with all the listeners uh, our story about domestic violence and what a great time to really share and educate so we can help others. Yes, it's going to be a very, um, very powerful show. I may get to crying, but that is okay. I want everybody to really be able to share open and honestly because I want everyone who is listening, even though you may not be a victim, you know somebody uh, struggling with one or both of these issues. And so I want everybody to be as open and honest as possible. And, Greg, why don't you just uh, tell us who you are in your own words and Give us a little background about your story and your experience with uh, domestic violence. 
Tanya, uh, I understand the tears and, and, you know, the passion. I just want to share with you, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Greg Stallworth from Cincinnati, Ohio, founder, playwright and author of Emerald Entertainment. And, Tanya, what I got, why I got into taking a serious look at domestic violence is because I had a daughter who was a victim of domestic violence, and it was uh, very eye-opening for me because not only did she, but uh, the family um, didn't pick up the warning, early warning signs of domestic violence, so we kind of stayed away and, until the tragic death of my grandbaby from faking baby syndrome happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that point, I made a vow that I would take the lead. And instead of being staying angry and vindictive, mm-hmm. I said I will take that ex- tragic experience and use that as a way of going around the country to and writing stories and sharing my story about how critical it is to educate our community about domestic violence and the early warning signs and also resources that are available. So I look forward to the show. Uh, I'm very open with it, and I hope everyone else who is willing to share is open with their story so we can do some healing. Yes, yes, most definitely. Uh, And you said something very critical about the uh, warning signs, and I want to just give some statistics I found on, um, I believe it was, uh, let me get it right, AAR. I will get that later, but it says that two in three females are victims of violence, and they know their attacker. Um, over two-thirds of violent victimizations against women are committed by someone they know. Uh, 31% of uh, female victims report that the offender was a stranger, and approximately 28 were uh, intimates, whether it was a husband or a boyfriend. Um, and it says almost six times as uh, the cases reported for domestic violence are always by someone that they were intimate with, whether it's a boyfriend or a husband. Um, you said the warning signs. What are some of the warning signs that you know now that you uh, ignored? Uh, Tanya, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, one of uh, several warning signs that the family, the immediate family, uh, ignored was when we start getting consistent calls from neighbors or police mm-hmm. saying that there was a verbal dispute, mm-hmm. uh, more domestic, which is the kind of the originator of it all. You know, uh, there was a shouting match or arguing, nothing physical but name-calling and mm-hmm. extreme noise to the level where a neighbor called the police and the police showed up. No one got arrested or... But what happened is it was when the police got to the house, uh, the the two individuals, my daughter and her boyfriend, uh, kind of agreed it wasn't a big thing, and the police left. The early warning signs, uh, statements that he said, if I couldn't have you, nobody else will. Yes, yes. Um, uh, issues saying that if I see you looking at someone else, you're going to pay for it. And where my daughter kind of played it off as a laugh or uh, thought that he was joking. Uh, and then come with the alcohol and the drinking. 
uh, and the actions after that. And saying things such as the warning signs is, if if I didn't love you, I wouldn't hit you and make you do certain things, which my daughter at the initial stages thought that that was uh, a show of love. So I'm using several early warning signs that should have been picked up as a way of saying this issue is this social, critical social ill is getting very serious and obviously it led to the death of my grandbaby. Thank you for sharing. And, and let me ask you something. You can, any time doing this, you can say, I'd rather not say if you don't want to talk about it. But did uh, your daughter's boyfriend, with boyfriend or husband? Was it the boyfriend. boyfriend? Okay. Did they? Yep. Did he ever hit your daughter or verbally uh, attack her in in you know, like family functions or anything like that? Never did it at family or open functions. It was always in the confines of privacy, like in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through a lot of torment that we didn't find out until later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was hidden from us quite a bit to the point where um, when we found out, obviously the family was very, very upset to the point where we were uh, wanting to do, I guess you call it vigilante justice. Right. Uh, without the police, uh, the and when we found out the the time frame that these things was happening, and then to find it out from your grandbaby, what things were happening, right, that started to have an effect on her psychologically, mm-hmm. uh, was the end of the rope where uh, it became a very serious uh, confrontation. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Um we're going to talk about the effects of children uh, later on um, because especially when you are a parent, a single parent, uh, we're going to have a, a whole different show about this. It is very, very critical that you watch and you not place yourself in uh, certain situations as a parent because it does have an adverse effect on your child. Um, and so you said there were no... There were no signs he didn't uh, openly attack her or um, trying to get to whether, because you said you was, uh, when you found out you was uh, astonished. But one thing I know in studying domestic abusers is that there were, uh, they do do subtle things in the beginning. And sometimes we um, ignore them, um, like the quick attachments. Was there a quick attachment to this gentleman? Uh, Yes, it was a quick attachment, and we had, like at different family functions, we had mm-hmm. seen situations where where he was ready to go yes. and she wasn't to be with her family. Isolation. Uh, We've yeah, seen, I- we seen verbal and subtle verbal and some nonverbal uh, facial signs to let her know that, Either you leave or there's going to be consequences. But they were so subtle, Tanya, to the point where we really uh, kind of ignored it. We kind of mm-hmm. looked at it as, oh, it's no big thing. And then when we didn't hear anything that evening or night or next morning, we just assumed that everything was okay. But when we didn't see her in two or three days, mm-hmm. well, sometimes the wound or the bruises have healed 
Yeah. And we knew nothing about it, and she didn't disclose it to family. Yes. We have our uh, uh, other guest who's going to be joining us, Mr. Spike Spielberg. But before he joins us, I know in my book I wrote about fatal attractions, and I got this from womensaccount.com of some, uh, you know, early warning signs that uh, a relationship may be headed quickly to a, a, a domestic uh, situation violence and rough treatment and I want you to uh, I know you may have said some things but uh, I want to read some things Uh, you said the rough treatment verbally subtly uh, the quick attachments Um, did you ever notice him killing her confidence with words like you know uh, some things you're so stupid you can't do that did he ever say stuff like that in your presence oh um, at times yes uh, the you're fat you're ugly no one will ever want you on the best that you ever had. Yes, yes. But interesting enough, Tanya, all these statements was done in so-called, in his look, a humorous way. Yes. It never was done in a, uh, a, a real direct threatening. Uh, it was done in the course of a humorous or a joke. So it gave the complexion that that. Yet, even though these things were said, it was kind of, and my daughter played along with it. She laughed, and that might have been masking what was really going on. Definitely And was. didn't want us to realize the seriousness of it. Uh, it basically denouncing her about her weight, denouncing her about her look, denouncing right. her about, uh, you got these babies, nobody else will want you, right. nobody wants ready-made family, things that will deter one from um, feeling good about themselves. Yes. Anything that kills your confidence is not love, is not healthy, is not humorous. Uh, also, another one uh, forces uh, a person into isolation and uh, encourages them to cut off all social support systems like family, friends, community work. Did you see any of those signs? Yes. Uh, I start to notice that we start seeing less and less of our daughter. And when we called her, the conversations became very, very limited. Okay. Uh, it's almost as if you asked her a question, her her response was short or very particular in reference to saying the things that uh, it's almost like he was there watching over her every word. Right. And I know Spike would be able talk about this a little bit more, yeah. but it was a very, we start, but we ignored the signs. We mm-hmm. kind of looked at it as that, well, we got our own problems. Right. Uh, I hope her problems are not <laughs> severe because we got enough on our plate. So a combination, Tanya, of both uh, mm-hmm. your personal issues within and then trying to address your daughter's issues with right. your grandchildren there, can be sometimes overwhelming. So sometimes, even as parents or caretakers, you're trying to look for a way of not getting involved. So uh, wow. instead of being uh, not being codependent to the domestic situation. And you, and you said something very important. Parents do have their own issues. Uh, as I found out, and you don't understand this until you uh, – as an adult, and you you really listen and start trying to have healthy relationships with your parents. We're going to bring on Mr. Spike Spielberg. He 
has written and uh, uh, created a film called Victim of Cir- Circumstance that deals with this issue. So we'd like to welcome Mr. Spike Spielberg to Real Talk with Tanya White. Hello, Mr. Spike. Hello, hello. How you doing this evening? I am fabulous. How are you? Oh, just checking out this uh, this show, Real Talk with Tanya White. I love Dr. White. Oh, well, uh, thank you so much. You always bring in something fresh and new to the airways, and uh, and I was uh, listening to Gene as, as he was talking, and, and both of you are, are right on course uh, with, with what we're talking about with what domestic violence is about. Yes. Now, Spike, let's jump right into because we all know who you are. Your reputation precedes you on Blog Talk. Uh, but let's explain, uh, tell us why you uh, made the movie Victim of Circumstance and what it is about. Well, I mean, the, the Victim of Circumstance is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I witnessed uh, a classmate of mine when I was in college that was going through an abusive relationship, and I, I had no idea, especially it's like something that you see on TV or you would think that happens in, uh, you know, like married couples, you didn't, I wouldn't think to see it at that particular level while I was in college. And this young, this young lady, uh, you know, shared her story with me, and she said, I wish that, you know, somebody would, would write a story or do something about this so that someone else can learn from this particular example and not have to live their life like this. Mm-hmm. And doing this particular film, I learned so much about domestic violence that, I mean, it was an irreplaceable education. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the things that domestic violence is about, it's about control, and, and that individual uh, trying to control the other. And it's not just, it doesn't just happen uh, with women. It, it happens in men as well. Right. Now, but there are more reported cases of women being and And the thing that I, I've seen is that uh, many of them, live in a, in a fearful state because yeah. this person has so much control and it's because they aren't they aren't able to escape from that particular particular situation it could be financial uh be dependency there and uh and, and i think it does it does boil down to uh being able to uh have outlets or know what to do when you when you're stuck in one of those types of situations mhm now, either one of you can answer this, Greg or uh, Spike. Um, do you believe that the the victim of domestic violence does see the apparent warning signs uh, before they engage in the relationship? And if so, what about what are some uh, issues that make them continue to go down that road, uh, even though they know it's harmful, even though they know uh, it, it may be potentially deadly? But they take that giant risk. What are some things that plague them? Greg or Spike, either one of you can answer. Well, I, mean, well, I, I can start go off. Ahead. Go, go ahead, Spike. Go ahead. You got it. You got it. Hey, Spike uh, and Tanya, <laughs> several things on my end. Um, you know, it's the old saying, I remember Grandma used to say, you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, sometimes you're enamored with this love thing that you ignore even the signs that you see because you're not this, you know, really identifying what really is, especially in young relationships. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, 
that I see, and I know Spike can elaborate more on a lot of other things, and is that uh, sometimes you, it's called the better day syndrome. Mm-hmm. The next day, things going to get better. Okay. Even though he hit me the day, but he uh, apologized to me, and he told me that uh, he didn't want to risk going to jail and and please I won't happen it won't happen anymore and he does it with such I guess he or she you know as Spike said it happens on both ends does it with so much believability uh, that the partner uh, end up thinking that tomorrow's gonna be a better day the other thing is that you know if you got this premise that everyone you're doing this for making sure that people outside your relationship see you and him in this such a what they call glorious life, right. you tend to want to hide some of the domestic issues that are happening, even though you know that's happening. You, you masquerade or you put a smoke screen in front of it. So I see this a lot, especially in relationships now, you know, you just had a fight Thursday night, but you were out at the party Friday night, and people are saying, what a beautiful couple, but what they don't understand that there was an abusive situation the night before police was called, and and uh, these things actually are true situations in mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hitting it right on the head. I mean, he's, he's right on with it. I, I think that uh, it, it's kind of like... Uh, if someone is driving in a car, I mean, you see the, the speed limit signs, but yet you can still get caught speeding. Mm-hmm. So you you see those types of things, but you still, you know, move forward. Some of it can be psychological, I would say, whereas people feel that, that need to be with someone. Just like in your book, when you talk about relationships mm-hmm. and, and and people having that need to, to feel loved and that need to, to belong um, with someone or belong to something that's that's outside of themselves, and so it becomes a, a like a psychological dependence upon another person. Mm. So I think that you know people will see the signs, but I think a, a lot, another part of it is lack of education. We we may not know what we're looking for. If, if uh, I, I heard uh, Greg talking earlier about uh, being isolated, see that those are one of the signs when when. People are trying to isolate you from your family and from your friends. They're trying to control that particular situation. So that that right there is, is a, a very big sign. I can remember in doing some of the research for this particular project, one of the stories that really alarmed me was the type of control that this, this gentleman had over his, his wife, and she was uh, a, a short lady. So mm-hmm. what he would do was the, the door locked from the inside. So it was one of those doors where you had to have a key in order to unlock it. So what he would do was he would take the, he would lock the door, the key, and put it on top of the uh, the door, the door seal, knowing that she wasn't tall enough to, to reach it. Uh, he would he would do things like uh, she would go to the grocery store, and if, if it was not an item that he didn't have on that particular list, then it would be some consequences and repercussions behind mm-hmm. So he, he, he controlled a lot of um, the, the finances and, and controlled a lot of her movements. So those, those are some of the signs that, 
that we have to, to look out for. And, I mean, that can go, you know, both ways for, for me and Africa. Oh, definitely. Now, we're going to talk about that uh, because there was a movie about, uh, and I saw it in the 1990s, talk, called Men Don't Tell, and it dealt with uh, the male perspective as a victim of domestic violence. This gentleman was being uh, beat and abused by his wife, uh, and literally in the movie he did eventually open up and try to seek help, but everybody laughed at him. Everybody said, you know, be a man. You know, why are you letting her hit you? And um, really, like, turned turn their backs on him. So he couldn't find any help. So uh, I want to ask you all, do you all know of any uh, any support groups? Because it is, like, kind of uh, people don't understand that men suffer through this, too. And, and when men reach out, they may get the same response as was in the movie. Where can men go or what should they do if they find themselves trapped in a domestic violence situation? Well, it's interesting that well, you say that. It's very interesting that you say that because uh, that that was one of the obstacles when when it comes to domestic violence. Like domestic violence is one of the most underreported crimes, and and I think that when it comes to the men, like you say, you would be laughed at or, or judged accordingly because a lot of the operators of the domestic violence shelters or the organizations there's there's an organization in every city that mm-hmm. can help through a domestic violence situation, whether it's counseling, whether they need a place to stay, whether they need help finding a job. There's organizations in every city and in every state that can point you to um, those right avenues. But when it comes to a a male, and and especially if he has to go and report this to other women, there's a a feeling of like he, he lost his manhood at that particular point. Because, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, my job is to try to put myself in the other person's shoes to understand where where they're coming from, and so this, in 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 looking at that, it, it's like he's looked at as less of a man because he's allowing this uh, this female to abuse him. And I, I mean, I I know several guys who, after watching this film, came and told me that they were abused by their wife. I mean, this one guy, he was uh, he had a, a problem with with getting intoxicated, so every time he would come home intoxicated his wife would beat him up. I mean, it, it came to the issue where the first time she broke his nose, uh, first time she broke his arm, and uh, and then the last time uh, she actually uh, cracked uh, three of his ribs. Mm. You know, so it, it, it goes on, but it was hard. I mean, I could see the tears in his eyes as he told me this particular story. So it's just one of those things where it's like I, I think a lot of the men feel less than a man, and that's probably why many of those go and report it. Hmm. And Sonia, uh-huh. I I can add to first thing still uh you know Spike really uh brought a very passionate discussion on that mm-hmm. and I can share with you look at this scenario, if you will. Monday morning, courtroom A in the large, one of the larger counties like in Louisville and Cincinnati and Mm -hmm. Florida and whatever, and you're in there with 300 people Mm -hmm. in a system that is really more pro-domestic violence related to women, Mm -hmm. and you're standing in front of the judge, and they're reading off that you were abused by your wife, beaten over the weekend, and as a result, 
uh, you're there. Look at the stigma in our country mm-hmm. that is attached to abuse, as opposed to if a woman is standing in front of that judge. Uh, there's a very uneven level of what we call bonds. Mm-hmm. There's a, a uneven level of what we call uh, judgments in terms of what happens, and also it's it's a it's a shameful. You'll probably hear two thirds of the courtroom audience snicker because of it, mm-hmm. but it is a very and Tanya and Spike Spike knows this very well. It's a very serious issue in our country, and the underreporting. Uh, is one of the main obstacles in terms of being able to address this issue very, very seriously. Mm. So, Truth, you just joined us. We're talking about domestic violence right now. We have Spike Spielberg, uh, filmmaker of the movie uh, Victim of Circumstance, and Greg Stallworth, uh, writer and author of the play Trapped Without a Release Date. Gentlemen, we're going to take a brief break, and but when we come back, I want you to talk more about your individual product. Uh, pro, uh, Greg, I want you to talk about your play, uh, Trapped Without a Release Date. Spike, I want you to go into your film, Victim of Circumstance. And then also I want you to think about what is the church's role in uh, helping solve and bring to light some of these issues because there are many people going to church every single Sunday and dealing with this uh, issue of domestic violence. So I want you to think about that. We're going to take a little music break. I'm going to mute you out, and then we'll come back and talk more about domestic violence uh, with Greg and Spike. Some bullshit. You said you never. 
back uh, talking about domestic violence today and we have Greg Stallworth on the phone with us uh, he is the a writer of the play Trapped Without a Release Date. We also have Spike Spielberg on the line uh, he has written a movie in uh, Victim of Circumstance and gentlemen we are back talking about domestic violence and I want you all to talk about your individual projects first of all. Spike let's start with you um Tell us why we should see this. Oh, wow. Well, I, I can tell you that it's one where you can learn. This is a film that you can learn a lot of things from. Not, not only does it deal with domestic violence, but just even in the title, Victim of Circumstance, all of the characters in this film are victims to their own circumstance. And many, many people, my thing is is to get people out of that victim syndrome, right. you know, and, and to be more proactive and to be able to pursue their dreams. I mean, we all want the, the, the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and happiness. That's the American dream. And when we get into the mind frame of, of being a victim, it's almost like it's kind of like a cycle that we can't get out of. So this particular film, it does deal with a young lady trapped in an abusive relationship and her trials and tribulations to get out of this uh, particular situation. And I, and I think that 
um, what it what it offers is it offers an insight into somebody's life um, who is, is going through these types of things. But more importantly, how can we get out of these things? Now, some people may not be able to, to handle a lot of the situations that are in there. And I've even had some dialogue at, at several of the screeners that we've done where the people have said, you know, it's almost like this young lady was asking for it. Does anybody ever really ask to be abused, even though people may not uh, themselves in, in the manner in which people may feel right, but does that mean that they deserve it? Right. Right. So that's and what I, the film is about. Yeah, when they say asking for it, most people, my dad used to say this all the time, everybody does not think like you. And some issues that people have, we can never uh, relate to because we've never been in their situation. We've never been in their environment. So we cannot uh, predict how they respond. And Spike, you brought up a, another uh, issue uh, about this happened to uh, when you was in college to a friend of yours in mm-hmm. college, which mm-hmm. is a very when you're in college, it's very rampant. I can remember tons of cases when I was in school uh, of uh, young ladies uh, being uh, abused and beaten. And and you brought up the, uh, said that there's no education, but we had we had so many uh, support groups on campus, prevention outlets. When does it come to the person making up their mind? This is not what I deserve. This is not really love, and I need to get out this situation. When does it? Huh? It has to be some type of breaking point. I mean, it's just like anything in, in somebody's life that makes them. Uh, make a life change or make a shift. It's mm-hmm. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then there there's a point where you have to you have to move on. I mean, you have to because it's like if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, you, and you're going to get the same result, then what's the point of doing it? And like, you know, my thing is people will complain about situations, but they remain in those particular situations. Right. Uh, if, if that's the case, then like I said, you, we have to get out of that that victim mentality. And more proactive to to handle those particular situations. Complain about it if you're not going to do anything about it. And um, it's like I know that's easier said than done for a lot of people because you know many people will say, well, have this this emotional and this spiritual bond with this particular person because we've been engaging in intercourse and my feelings and my emotions are trapped and you just don't understand them and he's not like this and like uh, Greg was saying, you get into that day. Uh, the next day syndrome, like the next day is going to be better or that person is going to change, and that may not be the case. And the sad thing about it is many females end up dying in these particular situations um, that, that happen when it comes to domestic violence. And that, by that particular point, it's too late. So the thing is we want to get people, you know, to the point where, look, you don't, don't wait to that point. It has to be something in that particular individual that makes them stop wanting to be involved in that particular situation. Yeah. Greg, do you have anything to say or uh, talk about how your play, Trapped Without a Release Date? Because people do feel trapped. Yes, Tanya. Yes, Tanya. Uh, yes. First thing, I want to thank Spike. Spike brought it very elegantly uh, and looking forward to it, Sam. Um, think of the word trapped mm-hmm. without a release date. Think about being trapped in the elevator with you're the only one on it, and you don't know when that them doors is going to open. Uh, you you have no control of the opening. 
no control of your releasing. And when I wrote this two-act play, I wrote it to educate our community mm-hmm. in reference to if you don't pick up the early warning signs, um, this, the play is about a, a young couple who met uh, through a acquaintance. She knew very little about him. She loved the fact that he provided everything for her and made sure she her needs were met. Mm-hmm. And they skipped over the engagement pretty much and got married. Uh, he mm-hmm. took on cruises. He made it very nice for her. He treated her very well for the first several years. Mm-hmm. But in between them two years, there were signs. Right. But they were hidden behind cruises to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. They were hidden behind the signs that I don't want you to work, even though she has a master's degree in education. Wow. Clear sign. You know, I don't need you to work. I want you to stay at home. And then he started calling her his trophy. And I tell women that I talk to, be mindful when someone calls you their trophy because I know growing up and and even today, a trophy is to be admired and put on the shelf and polished, but only for people to view but not touch. And he started coming home frequently saying that I just come home because I want to check on you. Wow. Then the calls from work became frequent to the point where it became very annoying to her, but she ignored it in the fact that he would always find a way to mask it by saying, hey, here's $200, $300, go spend it on yourself. Then that got cut out in terms of uh, I don't want you to leave the house. And then there was a question about the neighbor. So it was a progressive action that we all are well knowledgeable about. And as a result. uh, Greg, let me ask you this, in spite, I hate to cut you off, but is it because society has an unhealthy view of what real love is? Do you think that's what's perpetuating some of these uh, fantasy and illusions about uh, somebody coming in and, being a knight in shining armor and, you know, all this stuff. Do you think that society has a role in some of some of the uh, things that are happening? Spike, can you go ahead and start that? Well, I, I mean, it's kind of tough because, you know, when you talk about unconditional love, that, that's loving someone regardless, right. you know. And uh, so when it comes to that, I mean, some people may, that is their definition of love. So even though... They're, that person may abuse them, then that's a, a, a sign of um, of unconditional love because I'm going to stay with this person regardless of, of what happens or what the situation may bring. But there, there's a point in, in time where it's like you got to understand that if someone is going to uh, try to control you like that, if someone is going to um, put their hands on you, if someone is going to um, abuse you uh, emotionally, and like, like uh, Greg was saying earlier, you know, telling someone that they, they're never going to amount to anything, no one is going to want you, you're, you're ugly, and, you know, those types of things. No one should be subjected to that. And in that particular manner, the unconditional love is not reciprocated. So I think that uh, many people uh, will, will fall into that, that, that particular uh, trap. 
and and it's like you have to realize and recognize that um, you might be putting a hundred percent into it, but the other person may may not be, and you shouldn't you know subject yourself to that. But because of that need to to feel wanted, uh, some people may feel like okay, well because he puts his hands on me, then then I'm I'm appreciated, I'm I'm wanted. He he needs me. He he loves me so much that he's going to hit me, or uh, they run into the situation where they um, they have all of all of this uh, this frustration built up inside of them, um, and and it turns into a, a hatred for the other person because many many um, abusers or batterers, so to speak, are it's a learned behavior. So yes. now, so now because of that, they may have seen someone in their family getting abused. It could have been their, their mother, uh, and so this is their their way of expressing themselves. So I think more so not not only from the person that's being victimized in a particular situation, we need to more so focus on the people that are actually doing the abusing and why they are doing it, and how we can get them some help because that's where it starts. Yes, that's so true. And we have a caller on the line. Uh, if you want, if you're on the line and you want to speak and share, please press one. But we have a caller right now on the line from uh, two four eight, which is uh, Michigan, and we're gonna click them on right now. Hello, Lock Talk is so wonderful. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? it, it I'm glad you clicked. I'm. Hello, 248. Welcome Hi, to the Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. Is this Princess? Yes, this is Princess Adelia. How are you doing? All righty. Thank you so much for calling. Do you have any comments or uh, I want to share? Yes, I do. I um, I was hearing the young man talking about why I, I came in on just a little bit ago, but I think you guys are discussing why an abuser hits and why do they do what they do. And then on the flip side, why does a person that is abused continue in that or what is the interpretation of them remaining, you know, right. by them remaining, what are they, what message are they sending? Well, as well as you know, um, I have been in, I'm an overcome abuser. I mean, not abuser, I'm an overcome victim of abuse, not an abuser. And in the scenario that I was in, for example, a lot of things I began to learn later on after it was over. Mm-hmm. But during that that circumstance, I I had to come to terms that, first of all, my abuser was insecure. And these, these, these examples that I give are very much um, typical across the board. Insecurity, jealousy, mm-hmm. and um, also just the light traits that they are, the familiarity of their surroundings um, or just their bloodline, okay? It just runs in the blood almost, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's, those are three things. In, when you are dealing with an abuser who is insecure and is jealous, the person who is being abused tend to work around the abuser's emotions. So a lot of times... For example, people would look on the outside in in my situation and say, well, you're so strong. How is it that, that you're there? Don't you see what, what you could be or don't you see that this, that, and the other? Well, I could see it, but I had begun to justify it. 
And a wow. lot of times what women do is they begin to, they are Miss Save a Day, okay? And I'm using it nicely because they used to say <laughs> Miss Save a Ho, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's how you become. I have become, I'm going to, you know, I can make this better. Um, the abuser, again, the person that is insecure, the one that is jealous, a lot of times when they come into the relation, relationship, they lay the foundation because people who know them already know their issues, okay? So they yeah. lay the foundation so that you can interpret it as they give it to you. So they may say, well, you know, this person doesn't like me. This person has never had faith in me. My mom mm-hmm. did this. My dad did this. Um, they just don't understand me. They play so the blame you, game, huh? They do, immediately. So the foundation is laid. So then when you come in, you come in, you're going to save the day. You're going to give them that hope. You're going to let them know that you're there for them, and you're going to give them all of that, right? Well, yeah. when the people around you are saying, giving you the eye, well, you know, um, you should reconsider. In my case, his mother told me. She mm. sat me down and told me. She said, sweetheart, you look like you have a lot going for you. You, you I don't know what you're going to do with him, but you should reconsider. Well, because of the foundation that had been yeah. laid, yeah. I automatically just felt that she just was doing exactly what he said she was doing, not having faith in him. And eventually, at some time down the road, I actually confronted her for those things. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens, like you said, you end up making excuses. Then I had, quote, unquote, at the time I was religious, so I had the church telling me that the, um, the believing wife was going to sanctify the unbelieving husband. Well, and so I was believing ooh, God. We're going to talk that. about that. that, that yeah. We're going to talk about Cause that. Because that will keep you so bound mentally. So I then I wanted to save him, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you have all of these excuses, but at the end of the day I had to realize I myself, and it was a harsh reality, I was weak. Yeah. So then I had to look at my mm-hmm. own bloodline. Well, what runs in my bloodline? Where did yeah. I, where did I get this from? And 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 why were we initially attracted to each other to begin with? And the bottom line, and I I say this all the time, before we are attracted to individuals based on the outward appearance of looks and intellect and things of that nature, we are first spiritually connected. We are spiritual spirit beings, and we are first. Our spirits are attracted. So that's the continuance, and that's why I just keep going on and on and on, because you are just first attracted to, your spirit is attracted to them. And he was identical to the father that I was kept from. My mother wow. kept me from my father because he was he had addictions and, and he was had tendencies of abuse. Later on down the road, I was talking to my aunt, actually not just six months ago, and found out that some of the identical things that I went through my grandmother had gone through, but no, I, nobody ever knew. Nobody. And I'm thinking nobody knew, but guess what? What did I say? You were first attracted spiritually mm-hmm. to someone, and then those other things that we recognize are present. But I married my father. I lived with my father. That's who I was with. And, so you married and, the gentleman who uh, abused you? Yeah, I did. I sure okay. did. But at first it wasn't. It wasn't like that. And then we make excuses, just like the Tyler Perry movie. Uh, what was it? I forgot the one where the, um, where the I young man. I remember Black Woman. Yes, when he kept crying. I cried all through that movie because I swear that was, I said, oh, my God, it's just how it happens. And, and you have some abusers don't care. Then you have some people that are really fighting with their own enemy inside. I mean, inside they are, you're dealing with insecurity. You're dealing with jealousy. So self in, they have no self-empowerment. 
So they're fighting with their themselves. So they may cry after. They'll go through all that, and they'll cry, and they'll try to even fight their own battle. But it's it's just it's it's very interesting. That's why all of this talk about self empowerment is so key because we have to build ourselves and. And that can eliminate some of these things, but there's just a lot of insecurity and jealousy, and that's it's it's and that's what I talk about in my book, relationship reruns. You have to be whole before you even think about getting in a relationship, because as you said, there are some things, uh, and I just learned this when my mother was on her deathbed. There's some things that happened in my family nobody talked about because everybody what keep family business, family business, but nobody in family's talking about it, trying to get healed. And the other generations coming up are dealing with some things, and they don't even know. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And our time for this segment is a wrap. We probably will come back and talk about this serious issue. Spike Spielberg. Yes, ma'am. Give us your contact information before you so graciously leave for your show. No problem, no problem. Well, if, if anybody wants to pick up a copy of Victim of Circumstance, it is available on the website, uh, www.spikespielberg.com. That's S-P-I-K-E-S-P-I-L-L-B-E-R-G.com. Uh, we got free shipping and handling, so we can get it to you. Whether you're in East Jerusalem or Western Afghanistan, we will make sure that you got it. And uh, and you can also check out my show, Weeknights, here on Blog Talk Radio, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's uh, films, life, and positive thoughts is what we deal with. And tonight we will be talking about hot topics in the media. I, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was a bakery in New York City that created the drunken Negro faces. No. As cookies. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, tune yes, in tonight. Yes, <laughs> 9 o'clock? 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's all blog. It's all talk. But the show is much more than that. Um, blogtalkradio.com backslash Films, or you can listen directly from the website spikespielberg.com. I want to thank you for having me on the show tonight, and I always, always listen to Dr. Tanya White. Spike, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing such great information. We're going to have you back uh, probably talking about this issue, especially when summertime hits, all right? I'm no gonna, problem. Uh, mute you out. You have a great show. I'll listen later. All right. Uh, Miss Princess? Yes, ma'am. Can you stay, because uh, you brought up an interesting point about uh, the church, and, and we're going to talk about that when it comes to sexual abuse, too. So uh, yes. can I mute you out and then bring you back on? Yes, that's okay. great. Now, All Greg? Right. Greg? Yes. Thank you so much for staying. You're going to stay with me the entire show, correct? Oh, you know I will. Hey, uh, again, I love the word, Dr. Tanya White. <laughs> Thank you, Spike, in terms of what a most awesome uh, show and uh, gracious to be here. Oh, thank you. Everybody calls me that. I should just go ahead and get my Ph.D., Jenna. But but thank you for uh, joining us and sharing so much, so much. Uh, Tell us again about uh, where your play is going to be next or how people can, if they want to bring traps, without a release date to their city, how can they do that? Tanya, we have a cast in place of this theatrical performance and discussion, post-theatrical discussion. It's mm-hmm. called Trap, without a release date. We're, we will come anywhere, any place. 
because, Tanya, it's important that we educate and share resources in the communities where people are about the issue of domestic violence and where one can go and the early warning signs. And, Tanya, one of the things that we love is that you asked, you asked a question earlier how the churches can be involved or the church's position in this. The church has always been a catalyst to all of our social issues, especially in the black community. And one of the things that I'm seeing churches reaching out We've been able to go to churches and minister our message about domestic violence. And I thank all the churches who are reaching out, and I challenge other churches to do your outreach to help those because there's so many members in the churches that are going through the same thing. They just need the church to uh, support it. So um, yeah. they yeah. can reach they can reach me at www. Emeraldentertainment.net. I got a contact box there. Let's talk. We are willing to come to you at whatever time and place to minister the word of domestic violence. And yeah. there's the issue that we didn't talk about, and we will, we'll talk about it in another segment, is talking about part of that domestic abuse, which is spiritual abuse. Oh, when that's a whole other show, Greg. We're gonna have when, when they're trying to take this oh, when they're trying to take their God from you in from you in their the abuse. When they yes. tell you where's your God now while they're abusing you to get yes. you to the point where you don't trust in God. So I know we got other guests coming mm-hmm. on, Tanya, awesome show, and I'm looking forward to Sherlyn and Janice to come on board. Yes. And I want to say hello to everyone in the chat, uh, Miss Conscious, uh, Intimacy and Love, Princess, who is on the line, going to join us again, Queer, uh, Virtue for Me, Hospitality Diva, all the guests in the chat, thank you so much for joining us on this serious topic about domestic violence and sexual abuse. We just finished our segment on domestic violence, and now we're going to switch to sexual abuse, which is another serious Topic, but before we get there, we're going to uh, do a few quick commercials um, and then we're going to bring Greg back, my wonderful co host. And if you're on the line and you want, and you want to chime in, please uh, press one so that we know that you want to speak. Uh, but we're going to take a brief break and we'll be back in just a moment. May I have your attention, please? Do not attempt to adjust the radio. Stay tuned as we bring you this brief announcement. Greetings, family. This is TC of JFJ Live Talk Radio. Stopping by let you know about our broadcast. You never know what to expect on JFJ Live Talk Radio. We do interviews. We just added Mega Mondays. Also, living a single life and much, much more. You can join us at any time by logging on to www.jfjlivetalkradio.com. Once again, that's www.jfjlivetalkradio.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show or you need more information, please contact this number, 216-539-0630. Again, that's 216 216- Five three nine zero six three zero. Let's unify and take radio to the next level. God bless you. Man, I've been trying to call her all day. Where's she at? This is the fifth Christmas. 
that he promised that we were going to spend together, and here I am alone. He told me he was going out of town this weekend, but he never wants to tell me where he's going. It's funny. He always has to know where I'm going. Uh, it's the holiday once again, and I'm trying to call her, and she's not answering her phone. I wonder where she could be. Hmm. Let me go see. I am sick and tired of this. I am worth more than that. Author Tanya White reveals the secrets to having healthy, productive, and long-lasting relationships in her new book, Relationship Reruns, How to Break the Cycle of Choosing the Wrong People for the Right Relationship. Being trapped in a relationship rerun is extremely frustrating and emotionally draining. If you find yourself in an irritating cycle of unwanted, unsatisfying, and unhealthy relationship patterns year after year, then this book is sure to break the chains that keep you bound to having the wrong people in your life. The brand new book, Relationship Reruns, How to Break the Cycle of Choosing the Wrong People for the Right Relationship, and also How to Deal with a Difficult Woman, is now available by logging on to www.tanyawhite.com. Once again, that's www.tanyawhite.com. Pick up your copy today. All right, and we're back. We're talking about domestic violence and sexual abuse. We just finished our wonderful uh, segment on domestic violence. Thank you so much, Greg Stallworth. Uh, Spike Spielberg and the Color Princess. She's going to join us as we talk about uh, uh, sexual abuse in uh, the church's role in that issue later on. But um, also, if you, we are accepting commercials. If you want to post your commercial on Real Talk with Tanya White, we can do that for you. Just uh, send us an email at realtalkattanyawhite.com so you can get your uh, commercial, whatever, book, CD. We would love for you to do that. Also, Thank everyone for joining us, everyone in the chat and online. If you want to uh, chime in and you have a comment and that you're online, please press 1 so we know that you uh, want to have something to say. Now we're going to talk about a very serious issue. As I bring my co-host back on, Mr. Greg Stallworth. Mr. Greg, how are you? Yes, Tanya. We are I'm going to doing talk about well. Looking forward to the second act. Uh, no, we're going to talk about uh, domestic, uh, no, sexual abuse, uh, which is a very serious issue as well. We have two uh, women on a line. First, we have uh, Sherlyn Vaughn. Uh, and Sherlyn, are you on? Yes, I am. And uh, Sherlyn, thank you so much for joining us. And you're going to talk about your experience with uh, sexual abuse, correct? Yes, thanks for and having me, Tanya. Thank you. You're a real talk regular, Sherlyn. So <laughs> we're just going to put you in that, that uh, you know, that category. Uh, we're waiting for our, they were online, Janice Sullivan. We're waiting for her to call back. But, Sherlyn, uh, while we're waiting for Janice, uh, tell us who you are and uh, briefly why this issue of sexual abuse is so uh, close to you. 
Well, my name is Sherlyn Vaughn. I'm the author of Weekly Wisdom, 52 Ways to Live a More Fulfilled Life. Also, the radio host who on Blog Talk as well for Unveiling the Mass. Um, I'm also CEO and founder of Unveiling the Mass Enterprises, which deals uh, with sexual abuse and domestic violence because I have experience in both areas. The mm. reason why I travel and speak to women and men on sexual abuse is because it is very prevalent in the African-American community, not to say that it's not um, affected in other communities, but in African-American communities, we're taught from the womb that what happens in our house stays in our house. So, therefore, we don't discuss or err our dirty laundry, and it causes us to grow up, as you know, Tanya, being a relationship expert. It causes us, when we hide those secrets of shame, when we hide those secrets of anger and resentment, all the things that come when you've been sexually molested by someone who you have trusted, and they have taken that trust and betrayed it and used it against you, you have issues, and then you also double betray when you go and tell someone and that person does nothing about it and tell you to keep it quiet as if you were the one to cause this on yourself. So it's time for us to start speaking out against this epidemic and not only speaking out but taking care and doing something about it. Okay, Shirley? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you said the church is very, um, very silent and and almost invisible when it comes to certain things, especially sexual abuse and domestic violence. Um, how can we, uh, and I'll probably bring Princess back on with this, how can we as a church, as a believing body of Christian saints, deal with something so, um, so tragic and hurtful, but yet it needs to be dealt with. And really, uh, I don't want to say brought to light, but it needs to be uh, abolished. How can we do that? Now, Tanya, I know I'm going to step on some toes. and This, may get this, the, this is real talk. <laughs> this is real this talk. This may get Tanya the uh, chat room started a bit. But most churches don't want to talk about it because many ministers and deacons are the cause of it. So they don't want you coming into their house telling them what's going on. Yes. Yes. I'm going to bring Princess back on because she may have something to say about this. (laughs) Uh, Princess? Yeah, because the church is relatively silent sometimes. And they're silent. They're silent because, like I said, mm-hmm. anytime you start airing those dirty laundry, anytime you start bringing them dead bones to life, it's going to be a problem within the African American community because we're taught to look a certain way. We're yes. taught to act a certain way. We go to certain churches, and some folks can't even really get down and praise God the way they want to for fear of what somebody may say because they belong to a elite clique. In oh, the you didn't open up a whole oh, other can of worms. That's a whole other show. You know, it's time uh-huh. for us to drop those masks because what I found out, Tanya, is that the reason why so many of our marriages are ending in divorce is because we are dealing with the shame and the guilt from sexual abuse. And then it's not only just my generation, but sometimes it's a generational curse. And Grandma mm. tells you to get over it. I did. You yes. know, when you're That's having right. babies, when you're when you're uh, 
daughter comes out being your sister as well as your child, that opens up can of worms that nobody wants to deal with in the African-American community. See, we go to church and we feel that we're only supposed to deal with happy, happy, shout, feel good, praise the Lord, Lord. but when we start dealing with those issues of AIDS, domestic violence, sexual abuse, it's like, whoa. This ain't scripture. Yeah. Oh, this ain't right, what I came right. to church for. Oh, but oh, it is. It, it is scriptural, though, Sherlyn, because it in the is, Bible, the everybody dealt. You. Everybody dealt with sexual abuse. Everybody. Right. Most of the characters in the Bible dealt with incest and all that. Let me give you some quick statistics, though, about sexual abuse. I got off from darknesstolight.org. It says one in four girls. One in four. That means you count every four people you know. One of them is being sexually abused before the age of 18. One in six boys, one, two, three, four, five, six, one in six boys that you know is being sexually abused before the age of 18. One in five children are being solicited sexually on the Internet. Nearly 70% of the sexual assaults occur to children ages 17 and under, and 39 million survivors of childhood sexual abuse exist. In America today So is this a problem Yes it is Do do we need to uh, Not only bring it to light But to heal it And prevent it from happening Yes we do And Charlene you said Something so profound About the family I I got over it I'm appalled at some of the Things that you just Happen to learn At family gatherings Or you happen to discern Once you really get mature And start dealing with some things that really a lot of our family issues and dysfunctions have never been healed. They've been swept under the rug and don't talk about it, and then you'll get over it. But they're failing to realize, as Princess said, and I I believe she's on, that even Mm -hmm. though you don't know, your spirit is dealing with some things. And let me bring on my guest, uh, Janice Sullivan, so she can also connect with this. Hello, Janice. How are you? Well, I'm fine, Tanya. How are you? We are fantastic today. I want you to uh, join in. We're talking about sexual abuse. But before we continue, Janice, tell us who you are and your experience with uh, sexual abuse. Well, thank you. I'd love to. Well, I'm an author, a youth advocate, and a motivational speaker. I'm a member of the CASA, which is a court-appointed youth advocate, kind of the liaison between the court system and defects. However, my uh, main purpose is to represent the child uh, in my own story. I, too, uh, was sexually abused by not one but three different family members, my grandfather, uh, uncle, and cousin, a cousin whom I later uh, fell in love with as an adult and ended up leaving my husband for. So when the ladies are talking about the confusion, there's so much more than just the uh, dealing with the spiritual part of it and, of course, understanding where it stems from. Uh, it goes back to understanding that, uh, you know, saying that you don't know you're poor unless someone tells you you're poor. In a lot of instances, families don't realize that they're actually failing the child or themselves because you live what you've been taught. And what you have to remember is, first and foremost, our history as a people where we were, you know, made to breed and also uh, taught violence throughout our, you know, our history. And then all of a sudden we were place in a position where now we're in charge of ourselves, well, you're in charge of yourself, but nothing was ever done to remove the, the depression and also the aggression that was placed in us as a people. 
and you can only put out what you have in, if you know what I mean. So that's how it's perpetuated itself throughout the years because you only live what you know. So I don't think that we should find fault in the situation, but we should find uh, some education in the circumstance. That's how you begin to change uh, the environment. Because individually, uh, sure, we can, you know, get our counseling and we can pray and, and we can see we've overcome, but there's so much more overcoming because unless you understand where certain things have stemmed from and then rationalize and reason, you'll never be able to accept. You can walk away from it, but you won't be able to accept it. You have to accept something in order to be able to make a true difference. Yes, yes. You have to understand the root is what I call it. you got to understand the root of things, and that takes you, I think Spike said it, you got to confront some issues, uh, especially from your childhood and things you're doing, and, and call a spade a spade, and that's if you won't heal it. Um, I, go ahead. I, I wanted to say that one of the things that I, I have done with my children even as a result of my experience and what God has shown me with regards to um, spiritual warfare and things of that nature, those things are very key, conquering life from the inside out pretty much. Mm-hmm. We, we, I've taught my children this and have been for years, that we, we ourselves will not recognize, may not recognize how, who somebody really is because we all, you know, we may be one way on the outside, but on the inside there's a different story going on. And not many people, very rarely do you know people that know themselves. Yes. And just going right right back before I say that, about what I tell my children, the young lady said earlier, um, or young man said, how do, um, how can you allow, how, how do you recognize if someone is, is an abuser or if someone is, um, you know, they're, they're living in this way. How can you recognize it? You cannot, you can't, you yourself can't recognize it. Only God can. So you have to ask God for him to give you spiritual guidance. And you have to ask God to show you a person's spirit, period. Because it's through, like we said earlier, it's the spirit that you are connected to, that you, you are attracted to first, whether you realize it or not. And in the church, that's what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. In the church, I find that that's where you find most of the people that are most self-unaware. Mm-hmm. They are hiding behind the behind, behind scripture. They're hiding behind the religious doctrine and mm-hmm. the religious tradition. And they're hiding behind the praise God, thank you, Jesus, and, and, and how many times I go to church and how many times I read the Bible. But very rarely do you find people that know themselves and are willing to deal with themselves. So the the enemy that battles within is like a squatter in somebody's house. It's a whole bunch of spirits in folks' basements that and squatters in folks' base, basements that are just growing up in them. So when they get older, you then you rose you you raised your child, and your child was you you, you raised them in the church. And all of a sudden, when your child get 18, you look at the child and say, oh, my God, the child is doing exactly what I taught him not to do or what I kept him in the church so he wouldn't do it. How did you end up in going, going to the same body that your father did or the same place that, that your mother did? You know, and these 
that's because we don't deal with the squatters in our house. We don't know. You don't know. You don't know yourself. You don't know who you are in the flesh. We are spirit beings, and you have to know you. You need to sit down. Like I going back to my children, I set my children down, and I say, let's take. I said, we're going to take a sheet of paper, and I'm going to write down what's on my side that I know of, that I see continuously in my family. I'm going to write down everything, whether it's addiction, whether it's weakness, whether it's, it's lying, whether it's cheating, whatever it is, I'm going to write it down. If I see it a couple, you recognize it a couple times in an aunt or uncle or somebody, you wrote it down. Then I looked at the daddy's side, and this is all this right here. And I told my children, I don't care what I teach you, one day, these spirits, and I went and we went down to the root of them, mm-hmm. they're going to knock at your door. Yeah. Not you, you see some people that overcome, but not everybody is as strong as the other person. Right. So if you don't recognize it, some people say, well, I just chose not to do it so you can just do it. Well, everybody doesn't have, they don't have that strength. Yeah. But it takes, so it you takes have a, to a make growing. You have to grow to that. And Janice, I want to go back to you. What was what was your finally enough is enough to address the issue uh, of of your issue of sexual abuse? How did you come to that point? Well, I went through my abuse as a child, and that's why um, from the ages of uh, five to fourteen. Mm-hmm. And so, when you talk about praying for a discernment to know a person's spirit, you have to understand that discernment comes with knowledge, and knowledge comes with living. So when you're talking about children going through, and I, I say going through because, of course, um, we pray for, for the other end, you can't expect a child to begin to have and understand what discernment is. And if they do have it, as I had, because that was my saving grace, I didn't recognize it. I fell into my um status of overcomingness, if you will, because I didn't know that God was, was, was driving every force and every move and every decision uh, in my life. So there was no uh, this is it or enough is enough factor for me. At the age of 14, it simply stopped. I, I guess what I was saying when you decided to deal with it as an adult and go back and deal with those childhood issues, because, yes, well, uh, sexual abuse occurs in most children, and we're going to talk about the parent's role in that because the parent has a level of discernment and responsibility to protect. I was 27, Tanya, even as an adult. The strongholds from uh, the abuse that I suffered as a child, and this is from five to seven, uh, my first cousin, I hadn't seen this man in 18 years Mm -hmm. uh, from the last time that he had assaulted me and took one phone call. At the age of 27, now keep in mind the time span is gone, it's 18 years, and I talked to him once for about an hour on the phone, and two weeks later I was in West Palm Beach where he was. And so in my mind, even as a child, I never had a bad thought towards him. There's There's different levels and there's different understandings of how abuse affects us. And so a lot of times um, I've, I've counseled women who who are 65 years old and still have never been able to tell anyone. I've spoken to teenagers who are in a sane asylum because they cut themselves. They, they constantly hurt themselves. So everyone uh, is touched at a different level. I've spoke, spoke with women who have children by their abuser, and yet they go on each day and they've just been able to walk past it. So it depends on 
what your actual makeup is and how you view it. In my mind, I was able to live in a different state of, of mind, if you will. I, I, I was able to remove myself from the otherness. I had no idea that my life was, uh, quote, unquote, a tragedy until my book actually hit the market. And so many people were saying, oh, my God, what a tragedy. I didn't understand. That never, ever crossed my mind that my life had been a tragedy. So dealing with it as an adult and going through the abuse and doing things that I never thought that I was even capable of for the man who was once my abuser, and when I say doing things that I never thought I was capable of, I actually uh, stood in front of a fertility clinic doctor discussing tests to conceive by the man who had molested me from five to seven as an adult after I divorced my husband for him. So when you talk about the confusion and how far it stems, you have to know that it's so much more than we would want to to place on it. It's not about, oh, right, um, looking through your family, you know, looking at your family and the different attributes or lack thereof of attributes that you see around you because each person's makeup is going to allow them to accept or rebuke certain aspects of any person. So having a list of what what may come may not even be a factor for a person such as myself. It may be something else that drives me to the other side. You know, so it's the understanding that first and foremost, you you there's no face for a molester. Okay, they're not walking around uh, looking any particular way, and there's no any particular action, and just because person drank doesn't mean that, you know, he has a chance of not becoming anybody or if this person was an abuser doesn't mean that he was, you know, he was abused himself. There's so many other aspects to what you go into and to understanding that it stems from a generational situation that goes past the decades that you and I have lived to see. And and that's where we have to work from, understanding uh, what we are up against is something that's been inbred, it's just like the commercials and that you watch on television from a child to an adult, it's pre-programming you from the detergent you buy to the cereal you eat to the clothes you wear. Well, if that's taken years and years and years of subliminal messages and, 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 and subconscious implanting, you have to understand that that is not something you just go in and scoop out with a sermon. You know, there, there's something that has to be re, redirected and re, reconstructed and then deprogrammed so you start anew, and yeah. so and that do. I, I yeah, I firmly believe that, and uh, I, I'm thinking somebody said it, but you have to come to that terms in your life that I'm ready to deal with it, and I'm ready to get healed, uh, no matter how ugly I have to revisit, you know, the issues in my past. Uh, it's it's I don't know. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, Greg, Greg Stallworth, uh, I just want to come in on first thing, Sherilyn, Janice, and Nicola. Really appreciate uh, your very, very candid and very understanding um, discussion on sexual abuse. Uh, You're right on time in in reference to bringing the message. I want to go back to the church. Um, And the reason why I want to go back is that um, I know the issues of the church putting up a wall and in some churches in reference to this issue. Um, what I did when I took my production of stage production of Trap 
which deals with domestic violence and sexual abuse, I knew that the issue going to the pastor or the deacon sometimes is very difficult. You know, you're probably going to be sent back out the door you came in. But what I was able to do is sit down with the women's ministry. And interesting enough, um, when I sat down with one church group, they had 10 women that was kind of the catalyst of the women ministry. Um, seven of them were victims of sexual abuse mm-hmm. in their early life. Uh, them are the individuals I was able to connect with who I used as the opportunity to share. We got to bring this message outside the church and to the community, too. And as a result, what happened, Tanya, is that they understood me and they were able to be my liaison to to the, I guess you call the upper brass of the, the church. And as a result, we were able to do uh, productions in the church. And, again, I know that this is not, not always a, a surefire situation, but one of the things we got to do, you know, the church has always been the catalyst of, of a lot of the social issues in the past in our in the African American community. And we must mandate the church to take this position because again, their members, those who are around them are really, really being affected with this issue of sexual abuse. And I love the fact that you guys are bringing it real and bringing it strong and Tanya has provided a format to uh, allow you to share it. So I just want to let you know that my experience has been the women's ministries has been a conduit for me in terms of bringing my message to the church to bring it out to the open community. Tanya. Jen, uh, yeah, okay, go ahead, Shirley. Uh, this is Shirley. And what I wanted to say, and I think Janice touched on it earlier, when you're being molested and you're at the age of five <clears throat> or you're at the age of eight and you're being molested by your grandfather or your father or your mother's boyfriend, like I said, someone who has been brought into the house and you or who's supposed to be your provider, you don't know nothing about God and spirits mm-hmm. and discernment. Your thing yeah. is yeah. this man is making me feel a certain way, and he's telling me that it's love. Mm-hmm. But I know because I've been taught in school that there is a good touch and a bad touch, and this doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. And so when you go and tell your mother, and your mother tells you, you fast little heifer, what did you do? I can't mm-hmm. have nothing or keep a man because of you. Mm-hmm. Now you've been raped and molested twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. don't... and. You know, a lot of times we say go back to God, but at that age, a lot of people build up a resentment against God because they feel like, I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Why did you let this happen to me if you're supposed to love me? Who do I reach out to? I, I don't know anything about reaching out to God. Yeah, I hear my mom saying praise God and take it to the Lord, but she's also sleeping with the enemy. Mm-hmm. So this, they don't understand about a spiritual uh, uh, warfare going on. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, please, huh? Oh no, no, no! I was, I was, I was going to just um, comment on that, but but I thought you were finished. So no, go ahead. 
so this leads to a situation to where you have no other place to turn. And a lot of times, as I said earlier, sometimes the people who uh, a lot of church are resenting, as Greg said, sometimes the pastors and things turn a deaf ear, and I'm not putting this on all, but I've talked to many of women whose father was the deacon in the church or whose father was the pastor or the assistant pastor and had been molesting and having babies by half the women in the church. Yes. And the first lady purposely turned her head because she was taught, I'd rather have a piece of a man than have no man and at all. No man at all. If I right. don't if I lose him because of you, then who's going to pay these bills? Yeah. If I lose him because of you, then I'm going to be ostracized by my church because they reverent the pastor. So you have a lot of issues going on in the church house, and a lot of times they don't want you to air their dirty laundry. That's why they sweep it under the rug. But my mm-hmm. favorite quote is, those things that you sweep under the rug will one day in life uh, uh, trip you up. That's mm-hmm. why your book, How to Deal with a Different woman and how to relationship rewinds, a lot of it stems from low self-esteem. A lot mm-hmm. of it stems from the problems that we take in our marriage is because we're looking for a savior, a yeah. knight in a shining armor to come and love us the right way, which we don't know what the right it's way the right is because we've never is. been loved that way. We've been mm-hmm. taught that in order to show love, I have to have sex with you. So a lot of kids, as Janice said, it affects people differently. Sometimes for me, it turns you into promiscuity because yeah. that's only the love that you know. So you're seeking mm-hmm. acceptance and you're seeking love by anybody who shows a bit of attention to you. That's anybody right. who mm-hmm. says, I love you. Anyone that says, you look good to me, you think, oh, he loves me. Because mm-hmm. in your mind, you feel ugly. You mm-hmm. feel that you're not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't care who that person is. A predator knows how to get his prey. Yes, They've already studied you. They know what time you coming home and what time your parent or mother or sibling or whoever will be there. They know what to say to put that fear into you. Yeah. And sometimes, like I said, it's deal- when we have women in relationships. I met a woman just a month ago who has five children by her husband. Her husband has never once seen her naked. How is mm-hmm. that possible? Because she was taught as a child, when you go into the bathroom, lock the door. When you mm-hmm. go into your bedroom, lock the door. When you go anywhere, you lock the door. So the only part that her husband has ever seen, she raises it up so far and let him do his business. Because mm-hmm. in her mind, that's what love is. And you mm-hmm. can't tell her anything different because a lot of times we overlook it and we don't want to, as you asked Janice, when did you get to your enough is enough point? When did you start working on yourself? Well, sadly, half of us never do that. Mm-hmm. We never get okay. to that point of where we sit back and say, wait a minute, it's got to mm-hmm. be more than this. What I've been told and what has happened to me is a lie, and I'm no longer going to give him power over me. I'm no longer going to let my mom, you know, dictate to me who I should be and who I should be with and why I can't get a man. So half of us never get to that point because we're too ashamed. Mm-hmm. We've reached out to our parents, mm-hmm. and they turned to deaf ear. We've reached out to other organizations 
organizations and they turn to deaf ear. We yeah. reached out to the church and they turn to deaf ear. So we internalize that as something is wrong with us. So a lot of times now the church may be coming around to it just slightly because women are finding out it's not my fault. But for years they've been led to believe that the way they dress caused that or the way they talked, or having low cut or high heels, whatever the case may have been. So mm-hmm. we are still dealing with those generational curses and those evils because when you go tell grandma, grandma said, oh, well, so what? That mm-hmm. happened to me. And see, we got to get out of that generation of just get over it yeah. because you never really get over it unless you've been able to actually do some self-work and do some self-healing. And, you know, a lot of times if you're in a relationship and you've been sexually abused, a, a certain fragrance can take your mind back yes. to that situation. Or the way a man speaks to you, your husband and you go off and almost ready to kill him, right. and he doesn't even know what happened. And that's that's real stuff. That's real stuff. And I want to take a break, a brief break, and come back. And I want to really deal with, um, because we already know that sexual abuse happens to children mostly. But I want to deal with the parents, even though, yes, they may have dealt with sexual abuse. When does it come a, a, a level of discernment and responsibility for, like you said, Sherlyn, a predator knows the prey. They study it. So they know when the parents are out. They know uh, you know, they'll have the parents invite them in. And, you know, I know so many women that really are, are loose about their men that they date when they have children. They'll let any type of man come right. over. So I want to really discuss that before our time runs out. And, Janice, I want you to discuss more about uh, your uh, situation also. But we're going to take a brief break and come back and talk more about this very serious and very sensitive issue about sexual abuse. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the parents' responsibility. Listen to this song by Yolanda Adams, What About the Children? Children, and if not for those who love 
yet still she's your daughter. And if you will just reminisce your days of young, you see it's not where you've been or what you've done, because about sexual abuse and children. What about the children? They need our love. They need our protection uh, from such a, a tragic, tragic issue. If you just joined us, we have a Greg Stallworth on the line. He's co-hosting with me tonight, and we are talking about sexual abuse with Sherilyn Vaughn and Janice Sullivan. And ladies and gentlemen, I love uh, that you are being so open and honest. Janice, I would like uh-huh. you to talk more about your book, Cucumbers have thorns and uh, um, what what you find when people read your book, what are some responses that they get? Well, first thing that most people find is an understanding that, uh, and, and it touches back on something that was said earlier, that the confusion that comes out of being abused can uh, suppress itself for many years and then all of a sudden manifest in ways that no one may expect. And Husbands sometimes, uh, as someone said earlier, who has wives uh, that they don't understand why or why not they behave in a certain way, uh, peers at work 
where you have a teacher who now turns to dating her students who had been a pillar of the community for years or pastors who, who have been found to molest their altar boards. There are certain things that are suppressed, and that's why when you asked me the question, the all-important question, uh, when did I, you know, become healed until enough was enough, well, it, it, is, it is my belief and my learningness that sexual abuse and physical abuse is just like an alcoholic. Every day is one day at a time, especially for a person who's been abused. It's one relation at a time because you never know when that next relationship may be the relationship that puts you in a state of mind where you're willing to try and change this man from something other than he is willing to put up uh, with, again, another bout of abuse and different things. My book talks about uh, how my family had no idea they were failing me because you said this segment was still on the responsibility of the family. Uh, People who don't know that they're dysfunctional can't understand the dysfunction that they're living in. Uh, My mother was a fun-loving mother. Uh, She herself dealt with relationships that had abuse in them and, you know, language. And so if you grow up in that environment, what makes you in your mind all of a sudden say that this isn't the right type of environment? It's like if you've always been fat, how do you know what it feels like to be skinny? You know what I mean? You you can't just, just look at a situation and say, oh, this can't be right, especially if that's all you've known. Um, with the responsibility of the parent, the minimum standards of living is what the is required. Safe environment. Okay, I'm sorry. What did you just say? The, sta- the minimum. Okay. Minimum standards of living. Okay. Is what's required: a safe home, uh, food, love, and a protective environment. When those things fail for the parent, because the child is also in that environment, it immediately fails for the child. So it's not that the parent sets out to fail the child, but they fail themselves, and then it becomes circumstantial for the children. Uh, parents who aren't aware, that, especially women, who choose the man over the child. Uh, my mother married five times to three men who did not like children. So for her to be able to send us to stay with my grandmother, whom she herself ran away from, she thought she was giving us an opportunity to be somewhere where we wouldn't be subjected to the, the temper tantrum and, and, you know, and the, the words of um, discontent about us being around, but she was in the same situation that she herself uh, thought to run away from. So I don't think that, that when you're, when you're you, you can't categorize it because you're every day, it's, it's every day you're learning and you're finding something new about yourself. The Bible clearly states that a person who thinks they have nothing less left to learn is a fool. And that's why when you're dealing with abuse and you're dealing uh, uh, from sexual to physical, there is no such thing as I'm healed because you're constantly learning. I've met women who sworn that they would never put up with another relationship because they were in a good relationship. And it's easy to say what we won't do if it's not happening with us. And I hope you ladies can agree with me. We can give advice all day long. Oh, girl, I would never let that happen to me. Oh, Hello. 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 Are you there? Yeah, yeah. You going in and out? Well, I thought so. I didn't know what had happened. Okay, can you hear me now, Tanya? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, well, just to, just to kind of sum it up, well, where you're you're always saying what we will never do as a person until we're placed in that situation, then we find ourselves reacting differently. Um, my training lends me to understand the attributes 
and then the parts of a person that may fail and then find a medium to help that person then survive in that medium. So I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but it's so important that we... You're going in and out again. Okay. Well, go ahead. Maybe someone has a better connection. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm in a... I'm kind of uh, out in the boondocks here, so it may be a bad reception. Okay, okay I totally, I totally, um, it kind of sort of answered my question, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying everybody needs to be healed, but there, there is a like a, a shift, and I, I, I want to give somebody hope who may be struggling with sexual abuse. They, they are dealing with the torment and and want to know. When? When is it going to be my time to really try to um, deal with it, Get begin, maybe I should say begin the process of healing? Because I'm a firm believer, yes, uh, every day is a process of learning. So, Shirley, yeah. you brought up the point about parents who, uh, and I had a family member who was molested by her mom's uh, husband, and her mother said the exact thing. You will not break up my marriage. So, uh, and she sent her kids to live with uh, grandparents. They live with us because she was, for lack of a better word, she was PO'd that her daughter uh, would uh, even speak against it uh, about her husband. So, uh, in that situation, it is the parent's responsibility. Uh, I firmly believe, yes, some people don't know, but when you specifically say, no, I'm not listening to you, no, you will not do something to my marriage, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to keep on doing it, that that tells me that you know that it's wrong. What what responsibility does the parent have in cer- certain situations such as that, Charlotte? The parents have every responsibility in the world, and part of, you know, I'm shaking up fellas here in St. Louis, Missouri, and it's a lifelong passion of mine to bring this awareness all the way to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Tanya, if you yeah. go, if you and I go to jail, uh, if you and I go to the store and you steal, whether I seen you or not, because we are together, I'm being held as an accessory. Mm-hmm. So if I tell my mother or my guardian or whoever that person may be who's in charge of me that something has happened and you turn a deaf ear to it, you are an accessory mm-hmm. to this. Because, see, people tend to think that as you grow up, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you get older, you won't even trip off of it. But, see, the thing about it is the damage has been done. If you do that as a child, when you rob that child of everything that they thought, they thought their home was supposed to be safe, they're supposed to be protected, they're supposed to be loved, they're supposed to be adored and cared for, and when all that is thrown out the window, they have no idea of who they are because everything that they thought is no longer true. So they have to start building and finding out who it was. For me, this very same situation, I was molested by my stepfather. Mm -hmm. When I told my mother, she said, oh, my goodness, we going to do something about that. And she took a bold stand. But the reason why she took a bold stand is because my stepfather, at the time that I told her, was in jail for another situation. Mm -hmm. So wasn't nobody there but me, her, and my younger brother. So life was good. 
Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking the minute he do get out of jail, we hitting the road, Jack. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Because she asked him, he said no, and she said okay. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm in a position as a child, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Not only was I abandoned and abused and left for a situation of having no sense of who I am, my mother, who mm-hmm. tells me she loves me and who's protecting me and all these things, have now just rejected me. Mm-hmm. So I have low, I have you name it, guilt, shame, low incest. Because not only is she telling me that, she's telling me don't tell this to grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. don't speak a word of this to nobody else. Yeah. So now I'm going to be in trouble if I do speak out. And then why would I trust anybody else with this secret? Because when I told my mother, she turned her back on me. So now I'm dealing with all these feelings, and I have no idea how to use it. So for me, Tanya, that that anger and that guilt and that shame and that resentment led me into a life of promiscuity as well as attracting the very same man Mm -hmm. into my life that I said I would never go to. Mm-hmm. My stepfather was physically abusive to my mother, so I married mm-hmm. the very exact lookalike to my stepfather for the simple fact that I don't care how much you talk, I don't care how much you preach, I don't care how many scriptures you read to your children and how many, you know, Bible movies you show, they're not going to do what they what you say. They're going to follow the example that you have led for them. Mm-hmm. What they see, they do. Yeah, and yeah. we get that backwards because we say, well, we're going to teach our children. We're going to have open communication. That doesn't matter. As mm-hmm. a female child, a, chi- a female child needs to be affirmed mm-hmm. and needs to know that from day one she's gorgeous yeah. and needs to have those father figures in her life at an early step so she does not go outside. Seeking love in all the wrong places. See, I had no idea what love was. My mother did not model what love was because she was staying in a situation that was abusive for because she didn't know who she was. Yeah. It it all comes from low self-esteem, and that's something that you can't find overnight. And yeah. the reason why I say a lot of women are still dealing with the hurt and uh, resentment towards their parents, and there's a lot of mother and daughter issues mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, Tanya, is because no one wants to peel back those layers Mm-mm. and do the work. It's really hard. It's too it's painful. Really It's too painful to deal with that. It's too painful. Why don't I just let bygones be bygones? Well, see, you can't do that because those demons are going to show up in every, like I said, in your relationship. You're going from relationship to relationship thinking it's the man, and it's not the man, it's you. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about self-esteem Thursday, so... On our regular day, self-esteem, because uh, it's very important. Now, we have three minutes, ladies and gentlemen, and I want, Janice, I want you to uh, leave the people with something. Somebody is out there who's listening online, uh, on the chat, who is really uh, either they're dealing with it because they were molested or they just found out that their child has been molested by somebody and they don't know what to do. What words of encouragement can you give that person right now to help them? First, if it's a person who just found out that their child is being molested, they have to take action because, like someone said earlier, you are an accessory, so we must do something. We must choose the child first. And if you're a person who's been molested, you must understand that there 
isn't a level of healing that you have to aspire to. You have to reach the level that's comfortable and right for you. When we tell people that you can become healed, that, that's, that's a glass ceiling that they are not sure just when they reach that point or that feeling. So understand that when you begin to believe in yourself, when you begin to carry yourself in a, in a manner that allows you to feel respect and love and able to love others and able to look someone in the eye and know that who you are is what you are and God intended you to be, then you're on your way to the path to where you're supposed to end up. Okay. Don't just want everybody to know healing is a process. I firmly believe that. I don't want anybody to mistake me in saying that I think there's a level. But healing is a daily process, and it takes uh, it takes some initiation, and you have to get there. Thank you, Janice. We're going to have you back. Sherlyn, what could you leave with the people? Um, I agree with everything that Janice said, but if you have just found out, you need to tell somebody and get ch- that child help. Uh, whether it's calling the police or whatever, you need to stand by that child, whether or not that child belongs to you, if it's a neighborhood child. If no one is taking action for that child, you be that child's voice because that's going to affect her in the long run. Secondly, if it's... You've been dealing with molestation and you haven't told anyone or you told somebody and they didn't reject, tell it again. Because the more that you tell your story, the more you start the healing process, uh, the road of healing, because like I said, there's not a glass ceiling, there's not a level of healing, but the more you tell your story, it frees others to tell their story. And it also helps you take back your power from something that you have given it away out of fear, shame, hurt, and guilt. So whether it's not telling somebody or you feel you can't face-to-face somebody, write it in a journal. Yes. Write it. The tears are going to flow. Air, the feelings of anger, all of that is going to come up. And write. Write every day until you're able to tell. Look yourself in the mirror and tell your story. It doesn't matter if it's a live person. You first have to get all that pent-up anger and resentment out by telling your story. And crying, start, that, that's good for the soul. Yes, yes. Well, ladies, you all have been phenomenal. I thank you for sharing. I knew this was not going to be enough time, but I want the dialogue to continue. Those who are listening, those who are on chat, uh, continue this dialogue because the more you talk about it, the more it will come to light and people can start to deal and address these situations. Janice, tell people where they can get your book real quick. Well, Tanya, they can go to www.cucumbershavethorns.com. That's C-U-C-U-M-B-E-R-S, the word have, H-A-V-E, thorns, P-H-O-R-N-S, dot com. Okay. Thank you so much, Ms. Janice. We're going to follow up with you later on today, okay? All right. Have a great show, ladies. You too. Bye-bye. Cheryl, and tell everybody where you, they can get uh, your information in your book. You can get my book or CDs if you go to www.unveilingthemask, and that's M-A-S-K dot com. And also the book by the same name, Dealing with Sexual Abuse, will be out later this year in the fall of 2009. All right. Sherilyn is a Real Talk regular, so we will have you back again once again. But Look thank you so much, and I will follow up with you later also. All righty. Thank Thanks. you. Now, Mr. Gregg. Tanya, yes. I'm gonna tell you, I'm I'm filled with spiritual emotion. Oh, this show, along with many others, and Tanya, if I cry, you got to understand where my passion is. Mm-hmm. This show 
has been an awesome show. <laughs> and what I'm doing, Tanya, and you haven't told me or you haven't, we haven't talked about this. Mm-hmm. Your airways have brought a message, yeah. a message that all of us need to hear. And I'm telling everyone that's out there listening in whatever venue that you're listening is, is that we need to continue to support Real Talk with Tanya. Thank you. I'm Tanya, and I don't like to speak without making a commitment. Tanya, my thing is that I'm going to take the first $50 and start toward keeping your show on the air. Mm -hmm. If it means buying a book, relationship reruns, and whatever, we need to support it. What I'm asking everyone that's listening, blogging, and listening on the, the, the telephone, please send what you can. And Tanya has not told me to do this, and Tanya would not tell me to do this, but please support her. I would start the first mission, and Tanya, we love you. I know we call you Dr. Tanya. Tanya, you got the most progressive show in this country, and I'm asking everyone who has listened, find another person that you know to listen to Real Talk with Tanya, and I tell you, if you do that, it's going to be a beautiful evolution of a message that you can identify with. We love you, Tanya. Uh, 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 This is not something Tanya and I talked about as a co-host to her show, I just want to tell you, I will not, never miss a show with Tanya. Please support her. Buy her book. Her book, Relationship Rewinds, I've been read it three times, and I love it. And Tanya, we love you. Well, Greg Starworth, thank you so much for being a loyal listener, a loyal reader of Tanya's tip newsletter. And your book and your play, I want people to really uh, contact you about your play, Trapped without a release date, because that is literally what people are when they're struggling with domestic violence or sexual abuse. So tell us once again uh, where people can contact you at to book your play to come to their city. They can contact me at www.emeraldentertainment.net. Contact me, and I'm willing to say this, Tanya, about your show. I'm so in love with this show and I got a passion for it. If someone books me and gets me to the show and whatever problems made, fifty percent of it would go to Real Talk with Tanya. And I say that because Sister Tanya has given me a new life, a new understanding, and given me a new deliverance in the spirit of God. God yeah. bless you, Tanya. Listen, God bless you, Greg, and that is a very much a surprise. Uh, I just love uh, helping people deal with real issues uh, because I have to deal with so many issues in my life and so many things that people don't know that uh, I deal with and try to uh, reconcile from my past is why I do the show Real Talk with Tanya White because um, you have to have to be healthy. You have to deal with certain issues, and you have to uh, live your very best life. Well, Greg, thank you so much. You have been a wonderful, wonderful co-host. We've gone into overtime, which I knew we would because these were very strong issues. We look forward to having you back uh, possibly. And, and, and book book those uh, blog show co- uh, talk hosts, book Greg Star Wars, 
for uh, your show if you're talking about domestic violence or want to talk about his uh, play, Trap Without a Release Date. Greg, I love you. I love your spirit. And I really, really do appreciate all the words of encouragement because as an encourager, sometimes people think that we don't need them, but I, I need them to help me be the person I am destined to be. So I thank you for that. And I will follow up with you later on tonight as well. You have been phenomenal once again. God bless you. God bless your listening audience. And I tell you, I'll be listening to your next show. God bless you. Thank you so much. I will follow up with you later. We're going to wrap up the show. We have had a phenomenal show, you guys, talking about domestic violence, sexual abuse. We have gone into overtime. But this is what I want to leave with you. If you are trapped in a, a, a relationship, with domestic violence, and you think that it's love, it's not love. Contrary to what people think, love does not hurt. It does not hit. It does not harm you. Love, real love, protects you and cherishes you and helps you to become a very, the very best person you can be. When it comes to sexual abuse, it happens to children most of the time. I gave you the statistics. Please, parents. I am a teacher. I see it. I hear what children say. I see some of the action. Please, your first priority is your children. It's not love. It's not being in a relationship with somebody who you think you love. It is loving your children unconditionally. That means protecting them from all hurt and harm, and it also means protecting yourself from all hurt and harm because your children need you. If you have found out that your child is the victim of sexual abuse. Please, please get help. Go to, uh, there are many uh, organizations in your city that you can reach out from. If you want to know the signs, go to www.darknesstolight.org. That will give you some information. But do not sweep it under the rug because if you sweep it under the rug, it will sprout up in your child's adult life and they will have issues that they don't even know how to deal with. Protect your kids. Watch who you take them around. Watch who you allow in their house. Watch who you let, uh, whose house you allow them to go over. Watch who you let uh, be their leader in church, in school. Find out about them. Talk to them. Find out information about them because it is about the children. We have had a phenomenal show. I'm going to wrap up. Thursday is our regular time slot at 6 p.m. this Thursday. We will talk about uh, women, self-esteem, self-appreciation, and sisterhood. We need all three to be the very best person that we can be. It is Women's Month. We are having bonus shows all throughout the month on Sundays, Tuesdays. Our regular night is Thursday. Please check out the Blog Talk site, uh, Real Talk with Tanya White. Or visit TanyaWhite.com for a list of shows and guests. We have phenomenal shows throughout the month. I want you to, to just to be the best you can be. Remember, live your life rated R. Rated R means live it relevant, let it be refreshing, but most important, let it be real. We're going to close out again with Yolanda Adams. What about the children? Have a fantabulous week. We will see you on Thursday, our regular night at 6 p.m., and we're going to listen to Yolanda Adams right now. Ooh, 
Her heart is broken Because her life is hurting So am I He wears a frown His dreams are choking Just 